0: Welcome to Lessons for Leaders. Can you believe it's episode 100? The goal has always been to share lessons, learnings, tips, and advice. And even when things got tough with the podcast, I've enjoyed it more, and I'm proud to be able to say I got to 100. To mark the occasion, this is a very special episode with one of my amazing girls joining me at the mic to ask me some of the questions that you, my listeners, sent in. We share lessons, tips, compliments and insults, giving you a deeper dive into my head for a change. I really hope you enjoy this episode. And stay tuned for news about future plans. Welcome to Lessons for Leaders. Each week I bring you lessons, learnings, tips and advice to enable you to lead with ease in business without the stress, doubt and overwhelm. So I help you elevate your leadership performance, be resilient and thrive in life. I'm Emma Langton, your host and Straight Talking Yorkshire Lass who elevates your leadership, supports wellbeing with coaching, speaking, training and workshops. One of the challenges organisations frequently tell me about right now is engaging employees with conversations around wellbeing, the difficulties with hybrid working and elevating performance. One of the best ways to do this is with an external facilitator who provides a safe space for learning, conversations and honesty. Recently I've been working with organizations and individual leaders and managers to help them to be able to be more focused, less stressed and have a wide impact on both the professional leadership skills as well as improving engagement, performance and well-being for themselves and their teams. Throughout April, there's a focus on stress awareness in many organizations, and in May, there's a focus on mental health awareness. <coughs> All of this needs great leadership. Did you know that you can make 5 times the return on investment with support, advice and consultancy on leadership and well-being? That's the number according to a report by Mind and Deloitte. I've recently helped people have confident conversations about mental well-being so that the managers feel capable and are able to be caring when staff raise concerns about their own mental well-being, instead instead of, as some of them were saying, being scared and running for the hills. So do get in touch if you want to know more about how I can help you or your organisation get in touch at emma at emmalankton.com. If you're not ready to do that yet, you can get onto my newsletters. The link is in the show notes and information is on my website at emmalankton.com. This newsletter goes out around once a month and sends tips, information and statistics on the current organisational trends that's happening right now, so you don't have to dig around for it. And then finally, If you haven't already hit the subscribe button or left a review for me on the podcast, please do go and find the very little button that enables you to do that. Give me your key thoughts and your takeaways and what you value most from the podcast. Or share that on social media and tag me in. So welcome back listeners. Can you believe this is the 100th episode? You know, when I started the podcast, it was back on the 1st of July 2018, and I had no idea the impact it would make on both my life, my work, and more importantly, for the listeners. Now, as promised in the intro, the goal has always been to share the lessons, learnings, tips and advice, and so I'm delighted to be able to share this episode with you. And there is a hundred episodes of Lessons for Leaders and there's 50 episodes before that on a previous podcast called the Business Balance Podcast. Now many regular listeners will know that my girls are the reasons why I do what I do and my eldest daughter is about to make me a granny next month. So it seems like a good time to pause the episodes for a while. This last one is a very special episode with my other amazing girl, Jade, joining me at the mic to ask some questions that you, my listeners, sent in. So I really hope you enjoy it. And then I'll be back in the autumn. But in the meantime, there's plenty of topics in the back episodes for you to dive into. So once you've listened to this, keep sending me the feedback, the loves, the takeaways and the requests for topics that you want to hear in the future. As always, thank you for listening. And then I'd like to welcome Jade to the show. Hi, Mum. Hello, babes. How are you today? I'm good. Are you excited about this? Yep. Cool. Cool. So you've got these questions lined up. Are you ready to ask these questions? I am. Take it away.
1: So I know your answer to this first one, but what got you started in your business?
0: You do know the answer, but a lot of listeners um, and a lot of people ask me this question all the time. So in a nutshell... I spent about 20 years uh, working in a corporate environment at kind of director's offices in training and communication organisations. And then I adopted two little girls, which is a very long story. However, these two girls came with more issues than we were told because what did they tell us, Jade? That all we needed were firm boundaries. If that was all it was, life would be so simple, wouldn't it? And at the time, I thought, I can do boundaries because I was organising director's offices, like I said, I was um, facilitating meetings, it was all male-dominated environments, I was doing all sorts that I thought was about boundaries. And then these two little people came along and taught me a whole new meaning about boundaries. And it means that it's about feelings coming into place. It's about feeling safe. It's about helping to support you and feel confident in certain areas. So um, those just needing firm boundaries was is another story in itself, really. However, what it meant was because I was always a f- kind of fixer and the one that sorted all like, everything out. I was still doing that so in that adoption leave I was traveling to London and going to seminars and conferences and training and finding out how to help these girls and when I learned about the psychology and the neuroscience and how we function as human beings and how the brain works it all made perfect sense to me. So to cut a long story short, I did go back to work for a little while, um, but didn't manage to be able to do that level of work and be there for the needs that these girls had. So after a while, I left corporate. It was a choice between my career or the girls, really. And obviously...
1: You chose us. Of
0: course I did. I don't
1: know what else you would have chosen.
0: And a lovely career, lots of money,
1: cars, holidays. Me, oh. me, and a bit more me. Yeah,
0: of course it was you. But in doing that, I thought at some point that these kids are going to go to school. So I retrained with uh, coaching, NLP, and hypnotherapy, and started my business just one day a week, uh, basically just helping people with hypnotherapy for stress and anxiety because I felt that that was what I could do well. Um, There'd been a little bit of curveball in here because I thought at one point that I could help tricky children and I'd done a bit of um, child therapeutic training but then I came to my senses and decided that living with tricky kids and working with tricky kids was not going to be a really good idea Um, so I didn't continue (laughs) with that one. (laughs) Thankfully came to my senses. So, that was 10 years ago. The business has uh, grown and evolved in the same way that the kids have grown and evolved and our family has grown and evolved. And uh, here I am now providing the leadership support and well-being training to organisations in a way that I love. Because of me. All because of you. It's all your fault.
1: I'm sorry. I really am. No, you're not. (laughs) Do you ever wish that you could go back in time what would you do differently and would you have adopted me and Katie, of course
0: now my mum gran used to say that um, she doesn't have any regrets there was a career path that she would have liked to have chosen but she didn't have any regrets and I think that's a great way to be and I've seen quotes of people saying that if you don't have regrets then you haven't lived but for me To live life without regret means, for me, that you've taken all the chances that you've taken, you've made the decisions that were right for you at that point in time, and then even made adjustments as time has gone on. And at that point in time, when we decided to adopt, that was, you know, that was the right decision for us. I never dreamed that it was going to everything that it has brought to us and I thought it would bring all this knowledge and information. I wouldn't have the friends that I have. I wouldn't have you two. I wouldn't have the business. So I wanna have this podcast. So would I do things differently? No. Um, if I was doing it all again, hindsight's a wonderful thing and that you would go along, wouldn't you, and do uh, some things differently just because you've got that knowledge and that information. Everybody would absolutely. But would I've adopted you? Well, course I would, babes. Course I would. But what about if you
1: were given all the information beforehand that it wasn't just gonna be adopt? You know, if you were told it's gonna be adopt kids and redo your entire life, would you really have done it?
0: No. Rude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have adopted me too. It's fine.
0: So we were in. Um, you get sent to uh, parenting classes. Would you believe? So we had four full days of parenting classes where you are uh, given uh, tips and information and advice about what well, you know, what you can do here and what you can do in that situation and this situation. And um, I can remember being there, and there was another couple that particularly that we kind of gelled with a bit, and. Um, Because we'd uh, worked in this corporate environment, really, really busy, different situations, um, often quite stressful. We'd also, then we'd been through IVF um, and my dad had died in the middle of one of the IVF rounds. So that was obviously really stressful and really upsetting and really difficult. And then eventually we were there in these parenting classes and we'd gone through all the phase of being approved for adoption and everything. And um, there was a social worker there that said, um, you know, it can be quite tricky at times. And me and this other girl kind of just looked at each other and went, we've been through all of that. Just bring it on. I'm sure we can cope with it. Yeah.
1: At times, a.k.a. 24-7 for the rest of your life.
0: Pretty well. You're not too bad now, are you, though, babes?
1: No, I have my days. You have your days.
0: But, you know, so again, it's that hindsight's a wonderful thing. And I thought I had a lovely career plan mapped out and that you were going to be in school and I was going to work part-time and then eventually full-time and and so on. And it was going to be just absolutely marvellous. So, you know, but now I've got, now I'm doing coaching and helping other people in in, in weird and wonderful ways to um you know be able to cope with the challenges in life so you know a lot of what i've learned i'm putting into my work now what is a common
1: myth about your job or your field of expertise
0: right so when we're talking coach well there's a couple isn't there really because um if you're talking hypnotherapy which i was doing a lot years ago and i still bring it in every now and then when people are you know really in need of it um so with hypnotherapy, people think I'm going to make them look like a chicken or, um, you know, give them some um, keyword and they're going to start, you know, running around backing, or doing some strange dance and or stuff dang, like that. dangling
1: the watch in front of their
0: face. Or you're dangling the watch in front of somebody's face, exactly. Or look into my eyes and things like that. And it's not like that. It's that, you know, I just guide people into relaxation and then help them with some therapeutic type interventions. But whilst you're relaxed then it's much easier to take on board new information and do new things. In coaching, people think coaching is telling. So people, um, I'm always really, really clear about this when I do uh, work with individuals and with organizations that coaching is very much about me asking questions, me delving into stuff, me getting people to think about things from the way that I ask the questions. Often people say that coaching is what is much more around mentoring, as in mentoring's very much, um, here's what I did and so here's what you should do too because it worked for me so it'll work for you type thing. Um, mentoring in a, in a workplace obviously is delivered by somebody of a, usually of a more experienced and more senior level that will guide somebody in that way. But I suppose really what I do is work an awful lot differently in that I work from a lot more from the coaching side of things of explore, never put words in people's mouth, um, always work from their point of view and how it is that they're thinking. So um, the myth would be that for some people the coaching is uh, modelling like a framework and um, for me there's certain areas that we look at but I go with each individual person.
1: See, what I think of, like, yours is that you... You're, like, you're not telling people how to do their lives or what to do. You're just providing options and support for people to help themselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A.K.A. me. (laughs) Yeah, well, I do that with you. But I also do it with people that, that come to see me or that I go and work with as well, don't I? Yeah. So...
1: You always give plenty of compliments and you always get plenty of compliments. But what's the best compliment that you've ever had?
0: Okay. So my old boss, George, was amazing. It was an amazing boss. And he once wrote in an annual review that I was creative. And when I first saw it, I thought, whoa. I'd grown up with a very creative sister. She was brilliant at art and drawing and that kind of creative. Now, don't get me wrong. Mum was great at seeing us as having different talents and differences and being good at individual things. And I had other skills and talents. But I thought that kind of arty stuff was the only way you could really be creative. But I realised with him saying that, that actually I'm creative with words, with how I talk to people, how I explain things. So it's probably why working with you and why the coaching and training works really, really well for me. So when he said I was creative, I was like, oh my goodness. And I started to have light bulb moments go on and realise that that wasn't just some description. It was a big compliment for me. What is an insult that you've received that you're actually proud of? <laughs> I, I hear if... these questions get asked quite a lot on other podcasts, so I'm really pleased to see that they've come in. But I've had loads of insults. When we were adopting you, the social workers asked if we would be able to advocate for you. Um, because lots of adopted children often needed... It was like a little bit of extra help, maybe at school and things... So could we advocate for you? And I was like, yeah, 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 it's absolutely fine. You know, I'm used to dealing with, you know, senior people and, um, you know, putting myself forward and asking people to do things and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm really used to that. It's absolutely fine. And then hilariously or not, when we asked them for help and support with you and your sister, we were told we were too pushy, too demanding and too aggressive. But... I've also been told that I'm bossy
1: and Um, who told you that I've absolutely no idea babe definitely wasn't me
0: loads of people have told (laughs) me that it used to quieten me down um, every now and then but not for long really I just kind of couldn't help myself And a few years ago, I saw a quote by Michelle Obama who had said something like she was really proud to be bossy. And it's about that language and that stereotype stuff that gets leveraged on us. That, you know, um, girls aren't meant to be bossy. Um, And in my corporate days, people came to me because I got stuff done. And there's even now because your dad's still there, that he that he's saying that people are saying, oh, God, should we get Emma back because we need this sorting out? You know, so that bossiness, if you like, is needed. But sometimes they say it, you see sayings about, say to, you know, don't say that a girl or a lady or a woman is bossy, say that they are assertive, because the same thing wouldn't be said about a bloke. But... I get to the point where I'm not really bothered about insults. I could tell you about a whole lot more, actually. But, you know, in the interest of time, I'll leave it at them too, really.
1: So, you're always full of advice for me, like every minute of every day. But what's the best piece of advice that you have been giving yourself?
0: So, the social worker that helped us to support you when you came into the family was called Les. Les. And she said to us, pick your battles. And what she was meaning was, pick those moments where you are going, well, I mean, I don't like the word battle really, but, you know, pick those moments where you are going to insist that something is done and then pick the times that you're going to leave things. So is it like, you know, tidy up all your toys before bed? Are you going to really, really push that or is the priority getting to bed? Are you going to really push that priority of you must put your coat on or do you just pick up the coat and take it with you because, you know, you're having a strop about not wearing it? That was what she meant. In reality, that phrase of pick your battles stayed with me and it's probably something that I talk to people about an awful lot even now today, whether they're in uh, leadership environments or on about when we're talking about well-being because it's hugely important. We ended up at times that we were trying to influence local authorities for some levels of support. we were uh, pushing against red tape and all sorts of stuff like that and you know that level of effort and advocating, being bossy and everything else, it takes its toll. And there was a point when something happened and I can remember stood in our living room after a group of social workers and had been in our house for a meeting and I made a conscious decision that I was battling through red tape. I was trying to push for something that was possibly never going to change so was it worth me putting my energy into that or where would i best spend that energy and that's what i kind of translated into the picky battles so then i spent my energy supporting you and your sister and you know building our relationship and helping you feel safe and putting the energy into things that way as in a, you know, pick your battles, rather than putting all my time and energy into something that was possibly never going to change, That, I, you know, and I probably couldn't even influence it either.
1: And you always say to me, pick your battles, like if I'm at work and there's a nasty customer or a rude person or something, you're always like, pick your battles, is it worth dealing with them, or do you just deal with them and get on with it? There's no point, like you always said to me, there's no point wasting your energy on something when if they're having a bad day, you can't change it. So you just get on with it. Absolutely. And it's one of the best pieces of advice that you give me. Yeah. It's good, isn't it? It is. (laughs) So, since I'm 18, if you could give your 18-year-old self one one piece of advice, what would it be?
0: It would be to be yourself to be proud of who you are and to stop trying to fit in because in fact it's probably worse now than it was uh back then when i was 18 but because we didn't have social media then because i'm such an old lady but there's so <laughs> there's so much about you know you kind of must do and you should do and and keeping up with and you know meeting expectations at school and and uh, education and career paths but as i say to people all of the time you know as soon as you leave that when you're starting to maybe do your statement for university or you're doing your cv for jobs or apprenticeships um you then need to change it all around and instead of fitting in and um, aligning with everybody else and everything else and all the expectations you actually you need to stand out. You need to be the one that they remember, the one that people choose and they have the information, the evidence, the conversation, the personality that means, that takes you forward in whatever shape or form that you need to. So then I would say, be you and be proud of you.
1: That's important, especially with social media. Like I see it every day. It's, oh you've got to be skinny you've got to be able to do this you've got to be able to do that and you know especially for someone like me with bad anxiety you see that and you think well then obviously there's no point being me because I'm rubbish and actually I'm not rubbish and I'm lucky to have you because if it wasn't for you I wouldn't cook i mean i still struggle now but i wouldn't have come to a realization that being me in the way that i am which is a chatterbox sometimes is a good thing
0: exactly exactly that
1: so if you had to write a book tomorrow (laughs) what would you write it about and i find this quite a good one because every day we talk between the two of us about oh we should write a book one day about everything
0: so You'd be amazing at writing books because the way that you pick up information and describe things is fantastic. So, actually, you'd be really, really good at writing uh, children's books to help them with uh, some of the things that you've done. But if I were going to write a book tomorrow, it would be about you, wouldn't it? But I think there's at least three books in it because I think I'd do early years and then teenage years and then adult life. adult life
1: life after being a teenager because i don't think you can quite call it adulthood yet
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm not there yet (laughs) you're not ready to be an adult i think there's loads of people not ready to be an adult babes so yeah i think there's possibly three books in me but the other thing that i do there's a couple of other things i say when get on the subject of writing books Often people that have their own business, they write books as a kind of lead into the business to showcase what they do or to share their expertise or to model that framework that I was talking about with the kind of mentoring coaching aspect. But I often say, I think my book would traumatise people. They'd be devastated by the time they've read it. And then I go, oh, but that's okay then because they can come to me and work with me together and get help with that. So it is still a good lead-in for the business, sort of, really. Kind of. (laughs) Kind of. I do also say, jokingly, that I'm going to write a guide for adoptive parents. And when I said this years ago, my mum, your ran. she said, that'd be absolutely brilliant. You really, really should do that. And then I said, chapter one would be get a dog. Chapter two would be get another dog and then just live happily ever after. Yeah. But you've heard me joke about that, haven't you, anyway?
1: Yep. <laughs> so you work a lot with leaders in organisations. What do you think makes a good
0: leader? God, this is a this is a tough question. I'd like to know which people sent this one in. Right, so George was a good leader. But I've seen some good leaders and I've seen some really, really rubbish leaders as well. Um, So a good leader, I would say, has a clear vision, um, an ambition to succeed, and not just for themselves to succeed, but for their team, their department, their workplace, their organisation to succeed as a whole. Um, That they're not afraid to ask for help, They've got a way to be able to get people on board with like encouragement, recognition is huge and obviously honesty uh, and openness as well. And I know I'm only 18, but I've
1: ha- had different jobs and I can say I've seen the good, the bad and the ugly in terms of managers, haven't I?
0: I think you probably have, yeah.
1: So I'm lucky with that but not lucky
0: (laughs) It's all good learning for you babes It's all good learning It is
1: So aside from knowing you can see My beautiful face every day What gets you out of bed on a morning?
0: (laughs) Well you of course (laughs) And then Dolly The dog When she's whining and wants to get out of her cage Dolly my terrible twin Dolly your terrible twin But You know, it's important to love what you do, really. And I do love what I do. And I do love, I love being able to work and do the work that I do. But I do also love sharing that time with family and having the opportunity to be able to do other things like go on holiday or sit in the sun or um, go out and meet friends and things like that. So that I suppose there's a few things that get me out of bed on the morning. But I suppose then, actually, if you ask your dad, he'll say, well, I don't get out of bed because I pick up a book and start, <laughs> and start reading. You do. I do.
1: Especially on a weekend.
0: Especially.
1: You come back, dad comes back from walking the dogs, or I come in and I'm like, oh, you're still in bed.
0: Yeah, but I'm reading. It's a very important job.
1: <laughs> it really is, yeah.
0: It's good for my well-being. Yep.
1: <laughs> you've got. I mean, you've got to keep your bed company all day. It gets a bit sad, doesn't it? And I like to do it all day. No, I know. <laughs> so, finally, what lesson would you leave people with today?
0: Well, and this is one I ask a lot of people when they come for a gu- as a guest on my podcast. Obviously, because it's called Lessons for Leaders. But I'd say reflection is key. When you were little, we used to... We used to take that because you went to bed early. Like, the days were really, really tough. So, you know, we'd put in the night garden on at like four o'clock in the afternoon because you went to bed straight after that. And it was just getting to end of day was good.
1: Only recently this came to my knowledge.
0: I've done all sorts of mean things. Anyway, once we got you to bed we would take a little bit of time to reflect on what happened, what went well, what didn't, what we can do differently, what we can learn, what we can improve. Now, we did that on the basis of the kind of therapeutic parenting that we um, provided for you. However, in a fast-paced world where we often continue to look forward to what's next, what's next, what we're doing now, it's really important to pause, to be silent and to reflect. It's actually one of the biggest learning tools that we have and one that I share often when I'm doing the leadership training that I do for organizations and even in the coaching um, sessions that I do with groups or individuals. That reflection is, is hugely important. Um, and I take time to do it now within my business as well but it, and it's it's good it's good to look back you can see the fun you can see how far you've come and even when things are tough you could see where there was an improvement so if there's one thing that people are going to take away from these 100 episodes it would be make time to reflect
1: I definitely agree with that
0: thank you. <laughs> So that's our last question. Have you got anything else you would like to ask or add, Jade?
1: Have I been your favourite guest you've had on your podcast?
0: You absolutely have been the favourite guest I've had on my podcast. Good. (laughs) I'd like to thank you very much for coming and helping me do this episode. It's been fun. It has. We definitely should do it again. All right, then. So for now, listeners... I really hope you enjoy this episode. Do drop me an email, emma at emmalangton.com if you want to give me any feedback or ask any more questions of me. But remember that I will be back in the autumn. In the meantime, there's plenty of topics in the back episodes. Keep sending me the feedback. Keep leaving reviews. Do tag me on social media. As always, thank you so much for listening and supporting me. And I'll see you again soon. So it's bye from Jade. Bye, and thank you for
1: supporting my mum and what she does because it helps me as well.
0: And that's all from me too. Bye for now.